Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Hello? Hello? Nope. Nobody answered. Ever knocked on doors and get no answer? We probably knocked on all sorts of doors through our lifetime, and I think we walk through a door pretty much every day of our life. And it's true, if you didn't notice, we don't have the treehouse today, but I think we're gonna go up in the trees a little bit higher today. So I hope you are looking forward to this today. We're, We're gonna go higher. Does that sound good? So as I maybe have shared with you in the past, I have, uh, before I came to work here, I was a remodeling contractor. And I would imagine you probably think that that afforded me the chance to walk through and knock on a lot of doors and a lot of actually beautiful homes. And I have a couple of stories about going through doors that have come from my remodeling experience and they have nothing to do with remodeling except that where I was headed. So one time, I uh, had known a family for many, many years, and I visited their home. Uh, They moved back to Michigan, and I visited their home one time. And they asked me to come and do some work uh, uh, later on, and I said, sure, I can be there tomorrow at 9 o'clock. And they said, great, I'll leave the side door unlocked, but you just got to come through the door by the garage next to the driveway. I said, no problem. I'll be there at 9. So I pulled in at 9, walked right on through that unlocked door and headed down the hallway. And as I was approaching the kitchen, I looked at the granite countertops and I thought, I don't remember these granite countertops having small blue flakes in them. And I realized with great terror that I was in the wrong house. I quickly turned around and walked out of there and said, sorry, and I took off. Oh, wow, and I headed about five or six houses down to the proper house. Obviously, that story has a lot more to it, but not pertinent to today. It may have involved the authorities. But there I found myself at the right time at 9 o'clock. I was at the right door next to the garage by the driveway, but the wrong place. The next story is from when I was heading to another house in the morning, and I went up this front stairs, had a key, because many homeowners would give me my key, the key to the house. I put my key in the lock, started to uh, open the door, but I did my kind of traditional knock-knock, hello, it's me, and as I was opening the door, there was the homeowner on the way up from the basement, heading up the second floor, in his underwear. Of course, what could he say, what could he do, except he looked down, looked at me, shrugged, and took on up the stairs. I quickly slammed the door in terror again, 
and prayed that the Lord erase that memory from my mind, which he hasn't answered that prayer yet, unfortunately. So that was the right door at the right place at the wrong time. So since the beginning of this year, we have been talking about the commands of Jesus. And in fact, we started at the Sermon on the, on the Mount. Jesus has been giving these incredible directives about what we're supposed to do when it comes to walking with Jesus and following Jesus. And these were some great, wonderful teachings, but also some pretty difficult expectations. Things like rejoicing while we're being persecuted because of Jesus controlling our lust, managing our anger. We're not supposed to retaliate when someone tries to hurt us, and we're actually supposed to love our enemies. <laughs> so that brings me to our very first point today, and that is Jesus is asking a lot. And I think it's true, and it's probably most of you are aware, if you've been around this Christian walk for very long, that Jesus is asking a lot. He's expecting a lot of his followers, and he knows it. But he know, and he knows that this life is not supposed to be comfortable or easy. In fact, it's a life that's demanding, really demanding. It's, it's against our thinking. It's against the how we're wired. We're selfish people, but yet God wants us to live a selfless life. It's against the culture. Everybody else around us is telling us not to live this way. It's got high, high standards. So just to be clear, though, Jesus is fully within his rights to set these standards and make these steep demands of us. When you create the universe, you can create the rules, too, right? But in classic Jesus style, he gives us these lofty commands, but then he offers the how, how we can fulfill these commands. And the how begins with three simple words, ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock, it's the answer to anyone who had been sitting there on that hillside 2,000 years ago, listening to Jesus for maybe 15 or 20 minutes by now. And they're thinking, manage my anger, love my enemies? How am I ever supposed to do that? This Jesus is teaching me stuff that I don't think I'll be able to do. And yet, these words, Jesus knows that his followers were gonna struggle with this stuff that he's teaching. And in fact, he says, these, these words, ask, seek, and knock, have tremendous power. Well, first, they're action words. They're verbs. That means that we have an opportunity. In fact, he's commanding us to do something. And second, most more importantly, they have tremendous power because of what Jesus hitched to those words. I'm gonna read our scripture, and I'll tell you what I mean. Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, 
and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So to magnify what Jesus is teaching here, it, it's, it's fun and super interesting to go back to the original Greek. Because in the original Greek, the words for ask, seek, and knock are what's called present active imperatives. So if it's been a long time since you sat in an English class, present active imperatives means we do it now, in the present, and now, in the present, and we do it now. So we continue to ask, and we seek, and we knock. And it's active because we're supposed to do it. The action is called upon for us to do. And the imperative means that this is a command, and Jesus is commanding us to do it. So let me read it from the New Living Translation. You can look, it up, uh, look at it up on the screen. This is what Jesus is saying. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks and seeks, asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So in other words, to simplify it, even though we went and magnified, simplifying it, it means we can pray. We, Jesus is commanding us to pray. And not only, it's not just, God, thanks for this food. It's Jesus is telling us to ask God for what you need. He's commanding us to do it. And then to keep on doing it. So that brings us to our second life application point for today. And that is keep on asking, seeking, knocking, praying. So, right, as I said before, these words, Jesus hitched up some powerful statements to each one of these verbs. And in case you miss it, I'm gonna read it through, read it through again so that you can see if you can catch it. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. So what did he link up to those verbs? Promises. Promises so that when we do something, God does something. How many are thankful for God's promises? How many are thankful for God's promises? Thank you. So then Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, in verse seven and eight, he repeats himself. Maybe just in case somebody who's dozing off there on the hillside, because there wouldn't be anybody dozing off here, right? No, no. For anyone, then he repeats himself, for anyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. So in the Bible, as we're studying the word of God and we see something repeated, it means something. It means it's very, very important. Thank you. I was wondering. I was hoping somebody would say something. Thank you. It's very, very important. So it means we need to pay attention this, to this important truth that Jesus is wanting to get across to us, us, the, his listeners, He's saying that this decision to follow him, yes, is a demanding endeavor. It's a difficult thing. But Jesus is giving us access to the equipment that we need to succeed. 
And everyone who asks and seeks and knocks on that door gets what they ask for, gets what they need. Now, this is exciting stuff. Are you excited about that? I hope so. I hope you're not just thinking about the hamburgers that you're going to be eating tomorrow. This is some exciting stuff because God is commanding us to ask for stuff from God. And we'll get it. He promises it. But there has to be a catch, right? You think about that. There has to be a catch. I can ask for anything from God and he'll give it to me? Maybe you're thinking that. And I can see how you might be thinking that. But that's not what I said. And that's not what Jesus said either. He, he didn't say ask for anything and you'll get it. He said, ask, everyone who asks receives. In fact, this verse, along with lots of other ones, is one of these verses that are taken out of context, out of what Jesus said and, and twisted around and turned into a set of self-serving words with incredibly disappointing results. Because if anyone takes these words of Jesus out of context, they might spend their whole life pursuing things that they're never supposed to have. And they're asking and seeking and knocking on that door, and they never get what they want. And they walk away from Jesus with the false belief that he's a liar. You see, I asked for that for years, and I never got it. Jesus is not a liar. We just need to listen to everything that he said. So I suggest that we go back and read the entire Sermon on the Mount. And if you were to sit down and do that from start to finish, it would only take you, take you less than 30 minutes. And you would see that not that long ago, just maybe five minutes before Jesus talks about asking and seeking and praying, that Jesus tells us what, what we're, how we're supposed to pray. He says this, your God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, Jesus already, before the ask, seek, knock, he already set the standard when it came to God's will. We're supposed to pray for God's will, not for our will. Not only that, but in 1 John 5, this is what John writes. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, you see, anything according to his will. There's, we heard the anything, but what was that connected to? Anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So we've gotta ask according to within God's will. So that leads us to our next life application point, and that is we must ask, seek, knock within God's will. So which one do I choose? Is this like some kind of cosmic let's make a deal game where we're just hoping that we pick one, two, or three. Which one do I pick, God? Like, and, and pray that we don't pick the one with the zonk, right? 
the one with the broken down tractor or, or, the, or the skinny cow? Please tell me you've seen the show at least once. Wayne Brady, let's make a deal. It is not a guessing game. Seeking out God's will, let me tell you, it's not a guessing game. So let me just relieve your fears. But you might be saying, so what am I supposed to ask for? Which one do I choose? Door one, two, or three? I think it's a good idea for us to let Scripture help us figure that out, don't you? Let's check it out. We're going to keep on reading chapter 7, Jesus' words. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So here's what we are to ask for. We ask for what we need. And I'll tell you why I say that. Jesus is making this point that there's no reasonable parent who's going to give their kid a snake when they're asking something harmful, when they're asking for a fish, actually, when they need a fish. No reasonable parent is going to give their kid a rock when something worthless, when they need bread, when they're asking for bread. So if reasonable parents, us, Humans, reasonable people who are broken, sinful, even selfish. This is why Jesus tags us as being evil, because he's comparing us to God. If we know the difference between a, a good gift or something that's harmful or worthless, think of just, just think of what kind of gifts a perfect heavenly father will give. And this is where it gets exciting. Now, there are limitations to our earthly gift giving. And this is the point that Jesus is making here in these verses. Look at the gifts that you choose for your children, parents. He's saying, look at them. You know what kind of good gifts to give them. Just think of the good gifts that our heavenly Father can give. He's perfect. His good gifts are are things that we need, and his good gifts are only available from him. So what kind of good gifts is God capable of giving? What good gifts is our Heavenly Father ready to give us when we ask him? So let's start with a gift that we didn't even ask for, but God knew we were gonna need it from the very beginning. In Isaiah 9, Isaiah writes about a child that's going to be born, a son that's going to be given to us by God, and the government will be on his shoulders, and it will be, he will be called Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and that's Jesus. And now here we go. I'm gonna, we're going to list a whole bunch. This is not going to be an exhaustive list of the gifts from God, but this is something we're going to use in a few minutes. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, which means for the sin you get, you work at your sin, you get paid in death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life. 
Who wants an eternal death? Ah, good. Good, you were listening. Or maybe you were just all falling asleep. Nobody wants an eternal death, right? We want an eternal, who wants an eternal life? Who wants an eternal life? I'm, I'm serious. This is what God is offering us. Who wants an eternal life? This is a gift from God. Romans 15 says, Paul's writing that endurance and encouragement and the mind of Christ are gifts that God gives us. The mind of Christ, this, this Jesus perspective on people, his love, his compassion, his servanthood, we can receive that gift toward our fellow man, toward our fellow woman. James 1, one of my favorites, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously wisdom. He, asks, he gives it to anybody who asks for it. Now Luke 11, Luke 11 is a similar passage on, take on what we've been reading in Matthew 7. But it's got a little bit more insight into what Jesus was talking about. Which of you fathers, if, you are, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Okay, I can recognize that. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Oh, that's a little different. But if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, okay, I remember that part, though you are evil, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So are you tracking with me? The Holy Spirit is one of those incredible good gifts, and Jesus is pointing to that as he talks about it in Matthew 7. And even this is what, how Jesus describes the Holy Spirit in John 15. He says, when the advocate comes, he calls the Holy Spirit an advocate. If you're familiar with your King James, you might be familiar with the word comforter. And, it, and the Greek word for this is parakletos. And it means this, this helper, someone who comes alongside another, a counselor, an encourager, a mediator. Does that sound like a good gift that you would want, that you think that you could, that you could take advantage of and use in your life? This is the kind of thing that God gives. This is a good gift from God. And not to, not to mention the, the fruit of the Spirit as the Holy Spirit begins to live inside of us and we, spent our, we take our time in the presence of God. We read his word. We spend time with, with other Christians, people also following Jesus. What happens? This fruit begins to grow up out of us. These incredible characteristics that come only from the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These gifts are, and, and more, are the ones that only God can give. Can a parent, can we as humans love one another? Sure. Can we comfort and can we encourage? Can we give wise advice? Yeah. But us humans, we have, we're limited. That means our gifts are limited. But our God is not limited. And therefore, the gifts that he give us, gives us are not limited whatsoever. 
And this is Jesus' point when it comes to speaking about the snake or the fish and the stone or the bread, that God's children, we, you and me, we all have needs. Our good heavenly Father will not give us something harmful or worthless. He gives us exactly what we need when we ask him for it. So some of you, you still might be asking, so what do I ask him for? So I'm gonna use these doors to represent our prayers. This door represents the prayer that you've been having maybe about some relationships. Maybe you have a horrible boss. You're pretty sure that it's the son of the devil. And they're mean and they're nasty and every time they're bird dogging you the whole time you're trying to get your work done. You hate that boss. You hope that some federal investigation gets rid of him. Even though he probably hasn't done anything wrong. You just want to get rid of that person. You want a new job. Or maybe you have relational issues within your family, within the neighborhood. The guy next door never cuts his weeds down. He, and I try and talk to him, and he's just an idiot. And I pray that that guy moves or dies, and then somebody else moves in. We pray for stuff like that, don't we? And we do what? Knock, 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 knock. God, why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you fixing this? Have we prayed like that before? But instead, what I'm offering to you is ask God to intervene in your, in your relationships, yes. But how about you add, add prayer for the advocate? That Holy Spirit that, that has incredible power that can empower you to love, that can empower you to, to, to show kindness, to show self-control when you're wishing and hoping that the feds come in. Right? Because so often we, we want God to fix our problem. And instead what we need to do, and, and he's not. And instead what we need to do is call on him to give us the equipment, the skills to love our enemy. Ooh. Right? To show kindness to someone who doesn't deserve kindness. But yet Jesus told us that this is going to be a hard thing to do. This door represents that sickness that you or your loved one has been going through. We had fun with this one, but this one's not. And you've been praying and praying and praying and praying for things to change. Maybe all you know, all you have is God's healing. That's a tough one. And I'm not telling you to stop praying for healing. In fact, pray more. Pray to the Holy Spirit, the one who made you, the one who raised Christ from the dead, the one who knows every single 
part and piece and cell in your body or your loved one's body. Pray to the Lord for the Holy Spirit to move on you. Bring your request to us as a church. We will pray for you. But for whatever reason, sometimes God doesn't bring healing. And we need to pray so that we can walk through this struggle, this suffering, so that whatever God does, we'll have the tools and the power to get through it. So instead of just praying for healing, let's pray for that advocate to move in our heart, in ourselves, in our body, in our loved one's body but also pray for peace. The peace that goes beyond all earthly understanding. The patience to get you through that next round of chemo. And the joy, the joy that just literally doesn't make sense to the people around you because You should be angry that you have this sickness. You should be be cursing God. But instead, you have joy that doesn't make sense, that you can rejoice, and maybe you can be an encouragement to the people around you. This third and final door represents your lack, lack of money, lack of whatever. You've been asking and asking and asking for God, pounding that door, we need more, we need more. Is it okay to ask for more? Yes. The other day I saw a guy on Facebook posted a selfie of himself in his bank parking lot. And he said, I'm going into my bank and I'm gonna pray over my bank account that God quadruples it. I didn't see a follow-up post. I don't know what happened. But what happens if you pray like that and he doesn't give you more? What can we pray for instead or at the same time? We can pray for more. We can also pray for that advocate to give us wisdom, to know what to do with what God has given us. What can I cut from my budget? How can I look at my finances and use it, the money that God's given me, more wisely? Give me discernment. And finally, ultimately, help me be content. Help me be happy with what I have. All of these things, all of these doors, I am not suggesting to you to stop praying for that thing that's troubling you. I'm just suggesting that you couple those things that you're needing, the thing that is before you, and maybe look under the surface and and understand and, and realize that Maybe God doesn't want just to fix the situation. In fact, he, he often doesn't fix situations that we're in. So 
Sometimes they're of our own doing. And he wants us to learn something and get through those things. He wants us to have more wisdom. You need wisdom, ask him for it. It's a gift. He gives that gift to you. So to answer the question that many of you maybe were thinking, and if you, what do we ask for? I say we start asking by, start by asking for the Holy Spirit to be empowered in our life. Just as Pastor Barry was saying, the more we spend time in the presence of God, the more empowering he is. And this is what's incredible. And I just, in Ephesians 5, this is what Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, instead, he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Stay with me. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And the word that Paul uses for be filled, we're going to Greek class again, is present passive imperative. Meaning present, meaning do it now, and now, and now. And passive meaning we don't do the work, we allow the Holy Spirit to do the work and fill us. An imperative because Paul is telling us to do it, to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us over and over and over again. And maybe that's like a mind blown for you, that you thought that, hey, I had the Holy Spirit. I gave my life to the Lord, and I, the Holy Spirit came into my life, and I have it. But Paul is showing us here and how he's written that statement. And even there's examples throughout Acts where people weren't just filled once, they were filled and then refilled. And this is what I'm saying, and this is our final point for today, that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit daily. In fact, minute by minute if you need it. We are, God is calling us to be filled full to overflowing there was a woman who somewhere along the line went through trouble. She either was, had wound up with a disconnection when it came to men or men mistreated her. And she was married one time, two times, three times, four times, five times. The man that she was living with wasn't her husband either. And she was going to a well, going to quench a physical need. She needed water because she was thirsty, and she met a man there who said to her, Woman, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for water that would fill you up to overflowing, living water. That man was Jesus, and that woman was from Samaria 2,000 years ago. And as we keep on reading through John, 
we understand that Jesus is speaking of what? When he talks about the living water, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And now because of that, that woman, that visit with Jesus and that Holy, because she said, give me this water. She asked for it. She said, give it to me. But all her life, Jesus knew that she was seeking, seeking to, to, to be healed for whatever hurt, whatever mistreatment, whatever thing that she had wrong in her, her view of the world that she was looking for in each of these men, perhaps, or the men were mistreating her. Whatever was going on, she was trying to fill a need that was like trying to reach through this doggy door and, and, and meet the needs that we have, right? And we think that we can go through it by our, on our own power. How, what can we do? And then we wind up getting stuck in this ridiculously small doggy door when really we just ask for what we need, not just what we think is gonna fix the situation, but instead, what God wants to give us, and that will not just help in that situation, but will help years down the road. And this woman was what? She was in the right place, the right door. Jesus, the door of the sheepfold, said it himself, and at the right time. And now today, I wanna to offer this time. You are here right now. We're gonna sing one of these songs that we sang this morning. We're gonna offer an opportunity for you to be filled and refilled. If you have never, like we're gonna put those, those gifts up on the screen one more time. And if any of those ring true with you, if something stirs your heart, if you're getting some kind of your heart's tightening and you're wondering what's going on right now, that's the Holy Spirit calling your name, saying right now, ask me for those gifts. He's, he's saying to you, I'm gonna give it to you. You've been asking me to fix this stuff, but I wanna give you these gifts so that you can get through this stuff. So if you wanna come up to the altars, respect social distancing, or if you wanna make an altar at your seat, or if you're watching us at home and you wanna make an altar at your coffee table, we're going to sing and welcome the Holy Spirit, not just in this place, but in your heart and refill what God is so willing to fill up again within you. Call on him that we pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit fills each and every one of your people, each and every one of them that are asking and seeking and knocking on the door, that you might fill them to overflowing and that you continue to fill them every day of the life so that they might have the equipment the characteristics, the abilities that you are willing to give them as long as they ask, the abilities that they're gonna need to go through whatever ups and downs, valleys, pitfalls. Lord God, we thank you 
for the power of this Holy Spirit, this third member of who you are. Great power, great abilities, great characteristics that we can claim as our own. Thank you for your good gifts, oh God. We pray in the name of Jesus that you bless each and every one of these people at the altars or at their seats as they're making the seats their altar. Touch them. Pour out your spirit upon them. Let them know that you're with them. You may not fix their situation, but fix their perspective of their situation. Give them the tools to be able to walk through safely. Thank you, O oh God, for who you are, how much you love us. God bless you today.